Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues. We're wrapping up our visit in Mississippi. We're going to Greenwood, Mississippi, and we're going to meet Christina Alford. Another Mississippi guest and sponsor on the show is Bill Landry. If you listened to our show earlier, you heard Bill Landry, and he makes amps. When He's the guy that designed this incredible LS30. See, like if you're a 30-watt guy, I'm not. I've got a 50, I've got a 100-watt. i got a couple of little solid state amps i mess around with but they're not my amps well this 30 watt from landry amps beats everything i've got it's the ls30 came to him by taking the red channel from his 100 watt ls 100 g3 and make one channel lower wattage el34 powered amp after building the prototype he divided that one channel into two channels with a shared stack as it turned out they worked together very nicely bright switches separate gain controls master volume on both channels bam the ls30 from landry amps with all the goodness of the el34 and all this barely over 25 pounds check it out the ls30 from landry amps www.landryamps.com christina alfred our guest today and uh I had the the joy of listening to part of a podcast and reading a little bit about your bio, which I very rarely get a chance to do in this, but you've got a neat story about you and grandpa. And so yeah. I want to start there because it's just so sweet. The the power that he has or the influence that he's had on your life. Oh my gosh. I mean, ever since we're growing up, you know, you always hear like, oh, well, she's daddy's girl. She's mama's girl. I was papa's girl everywhere that he went. I was going to follow him yeah. And it's because I was, I was wrapped around his finger. I mean, I loved, I still do. He's still with me. And he had this, it was kind of like a little Opry that he had created mm. around 2000, 1999 out of an old schoolhouse, an old 1900 schoolhouse. And I can remember being a little girl and him going up there and seeing all the different bluegrass country music artists. And then I would just be like right there behind him. Like I would be walking up on stage with him and like doing a cute little dance or I would be sitting right next to him while he's doing the little engineering and setting the monitors on stage or meeting the musicians. Like I was there with him whenever he was doing it. And it got to a point where he was like, well, do you want to take piano lessons? And I said, sure, you know, I would love to. So he says, go ask your mom. My mom says no, because she didn't think I would get through it and do with it. And so I was over there begging and she would not budge. And I was about eight years old at this time. Yeah. My grandfather, he just kind of said, don't worry about it. I'll take her. So he (laughs) took her about like two or three months there. And my mom finally saw that I wasn't going to quit. And so then she said, okay, well, I'll finally start taking you. You know, you're actually going to do this. It's fine. Because, I mean, I was eight years old. I can understand. You don't want to waste time, money on something that like an eight-year-old is just going to do for like 10 seconds and then throw away. But she took me then um, for about 10 years. I took piano lessons. And that, um, yeah. But not from your grandfather. No, not from my grandfather. Okay. But my grandfather definitely had an influence in me playing and what kind of style that I did play. Mm-hmm. Because he also, he had a heart for giving back. And his mom worked at, for I believe, 25 years in nursing home. And so she got him started playing at nursing homes. And so he had done that for 40 years. So whenever little Christina comes along and I start learning how to play the guitar and I start playing the piano, then he starts taking me out there. And oh, so that became a thing up until COVID happened. Um, and then after that, I mean, it just, we couldn't do it anymore because of all the different things right. that had happened. But I mean, I had done that for about 10 years too, just like going with my grandfather and playing and experiencing that. I mean, it was a lot of good memories with a lot of great musicians. Yeah. So your grandfather was a guitar player then? Yes. Okay. Okay. And did he teach you guitar? Did you learn that, learn that on your own sort of, or what? You know, it 
was, he taught me my first couple of chords and then I kind of moseyed around and kind of like YouTubed and kind of did things like that. Uh-huh. From, but he definitely, he taught me my first chords and my dad played a little bit. Like he was more of a hobbyist. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather was more of a, he knew a little bit of lead, but he was really like a rhythm guitar. He was a rhythm guitarist and he was a songwriter. And so that right. was kind of like his thing going on there. That's it. So there's music, obviously, in your family. Yes, okay. 100%. I had a, a young lady on from Maine or Massachusetts or Maryland, one of you M states, you know. And, and uh, she said that as far as she knows, she doesn't really have any musical uh, leanings in her family, except maybe her grandfather, you know. And the more we talked, she said, but then again, I'm adopted, so who knows, you know. I mean, oh, she's wow. a brilliant songwriter, uh, has a beautiful angelic voice, you know. And she says, well, my influence from my grandfather. So he's a musician. She goes, well, he used to play records all the time. <laughs> so, but she was adopted. So, you know, she could have come from a musical family and not even know about it. Yeah. So wh- when did you start? You started playing piano first then? Yes, I started playing piano first. I when think eight? eight years old. Yeah. Yes. And when did you pick up the guitar? That part's a little fuzzy because after eight, I just started trying to play everything. I was very open to trying different instruments. Oh. I would go out and sing. I did, one of my grandfather's friends had a mandolin, so I started trying to do like little mandolin stuff. Yeah, somebody had a violin, so I played around on that. Some, I mean, I was I was all over the map. Yeah. I didn't really settle down into anything until maybe I got to be about like fifteen or sixteen, whenever I really started going in on like piano guitar ukulele and singing like those were my main things but i kind of i dabbled with anything and everything during like those beginning years i was if you gave it to me i was trying to learn how to play it (laughs) did you try anything with like brass or woodwinds or anything clarinet flute trumpet and i never did um i always wanted to learn how to do something with a saxophone but i i didn't think i had strong enough um, of breath or anything like that to carry that but yeah well tell me about uh songwriting then how did you get into songwriting i think the first song i ever wrote was whenever i was about 13 uh-huh. and growing up i was very much like my grandfather was completely like old classic country but my dad loved christian contemporary music and mm-hmm. so I also grew up with that. And so I was definitely a little church girl and I loved like writing songs about that. So yeah. my first songs were definitely about like, I think the first song I ever wrote was called teach me to love like you. Oh, and nice. I was just a little kid and I was writing it on my little guitar. And I can remember sitting in my dad's office, like just pounding away at it, trying to finish the little song on my baby Taylor. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like off and on I would write a song here and there and I always enjoyed it but it wasn't until I was about 16 or 17 whenever I took a songwriting class at my community college that I really completely dove into it um his name was Jamie Shannon I don't know if you've ever heard of him but he he's been doing a lot of work with Steve Azar all this kind of people super nice guy really took me under his wing whenever it came to songwriting because I would just bust through his office during office hours and be like, listen to the song. <laughs> and he, would, he would, he would critique it and he would give me like some different stuff that I could do with it. Yeah. And just his willingness to kind of be a mentor really helped me. And then from there I met other people and continued to write, but it all really started. I really started going after it kind of whenever I was around 17 and just hit the ground running, huh? Like yeah. You've been since. Now, did I read somewhere that you were homeschooled? Yes. I find that so fascinating that uh, I think homeschooling is so underrated. I think it does so much for confidence for people. For some reason, the people that seem to excel in different fields, it doesn't surprise me that to find a, a big number of them homeschooled. Does that make sense? Yes, because often... Oftentimes, whenever I tell people that I'm homeschooled, they either think that I'm like 
that I needed to go to a special school because I had like a deficit yeah, or they think yeah. that I'm a genius. So it's one of the two that yeah. always happened. <laughs> like, I'm either I really slow, wear yellow, hel- or ride yellow buses, or I was doing, you know, biochemistry at age six. <laughs> yes. But like, it, it was neither. I mean, my parents just wanted me to be able to really learn because they felt like the schools around here really could provide the learning that, that they wanted for me. Mm-hmm. And I loved it because I could get out of school at 12 o'clock. If I started at eight, I could get out at 12. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the day, I could spend painting or writing songs or learn how to play an instrument. Like those were things that like, I am so grateful to my parents for because that fundamentally just like changed. Like, I think it changed the course of my life because I don't know if I would have had the time to dedicate to the piano or learn how to paint or um, play my guitar or sing or do anything like that even follow my grandfather around as much as what I did had I not been homeschooled because he would play at nursing homes at like one o'clock up until five o'clock. Like we went around on this little circuit of nursing homes and there's no way that like my grandfather could have pulled me out of school like every month from the time that I was like eight to 18 for that time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. And when you're homeschooled, you do a four hour school day too. And you'll get more in four hours, get more than you will in six or eight hours because a teacher's dealing with 20 to 30 to 35 kids at a time. And they, you, you just don't get that individualized attention that you'll get at home with whoever your homeschool teacher is, whether it's mom, dad, or grandpa. And then that education, everything becomes a part of your education, right? Right. And Another thing about it, too, is that people don't understand about homeschooling is that there's so many different more types. Like, it's not just like, okay, well, mom's going to sit down at the table and teach me how to say two plus two. They will have, there's other forms like, I don't, it, really, it was almost like college beforehand because whenever COVID hit, I was already in college and they switched everything to online. Well, I had already been in a homeschool program for like my whole high school years yeah. of where everything had that same kind of like module aspect to where you go through, you read the material, you answer the questions, you take the tests and there was nobody else involved. It was very self-sufficient. And so it wasn't a very hard transition for me because I had already done that with the online learning. I mean, it's just, there's instances like that or there's pre-recorded. I mean, there's just, it's not like a, it, homeschooling to me is really a one size fits all in the fact that there's just so many different types yeah. that you can find right. something that can work. It's not just like one thing, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I always, I'm always going to be an advocate for homeschooling because it really, it helps the child so much. I know it helped me and I will strongly advocate for that. What, uh, what non art oriented class is your strength out of the traditionals, you know, math, science, history, English. History. Yeah. What do you like I most? Was, uh, as far as just like looking at history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what do, is there an era or a, a time of history yeah. that you find more fascinating that you're more intrigued by, or maybe a civilization that you study more? See, whenever I was younger, I really loved studying the like early early like egyptians because also we had um in my homeschool thing because it was more christian oriented we also have like some biblical aspects in there that was really interesting like going into like the nitty-gritty and also seeing like the hieroglyphics that they would put into the textbooks yeah that was all super interesting to me um probably because i'm really artsy and i love art so it Uh was kind of like you're combining language with art. I mean, songwriter and painter, what could be cooler, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also really loved, I loved studying the French Impressionism. That was always something that okay. really was, because I mean, it's like a whole revolution within the painting. I mean, that's whenever you kind of like split from realism and you just go, that's really where the variety of art really begins because up until that point, it was like people were getting paintings of their loved ones as photographs and only the wealthy yeah. could afford them. And so then from there, it's like everything just kind of like sprigs out and it's, it's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll talk about your artwork 
after we talk about one of your songs. Now you've got we've got three songs, and I I have them in a certain order. But having talked to you, I want to change the order up. But I'll leave it up to you. The songs we're going to do is "Fell for It," "Ours," and "You're Not Crazy." So which one would you like to lead with? Let's do "Ours." I love "Ours." That's what I wanted to go with, and and you know why? You know why? Why? Because I just found out you're engaged. Yes. And yes. I thought that would be such a cool song to start with. Yes. I mean, I actually wrote that song for my fiance. We oh, were, yes, it was a, we were about a year into our relationship. And when you know, you just know. Uh-huh. And yeah. I, it was well before that, I kind of knew. And we had been talking about it for a while. He proposed on our two year anniversary, but you, we both were, we both knew back then. And so I wanted to write a song about, well, how can like just showing that like I'm in it for the long haul that I really want to build something with you. And that's actually because you hear so many love songs about like, oh, you're just this amazing person. You know, you're just a wonderful. And I mean, they're beautiful songs, but I wanted something that went deeper. And that was like, I love you so much that I'm going to go through this with you and we're going to stick it out. And I know I'm like 21, but that was something that I've always seen modeled in the marriages around me. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandfather, for instance, he's been married for like 60 years to my grandmother. And I, I've always just said, you know, I want that type of relationship where in the good, the bad, the ugly, (laughs) we can, (laughs) (laughs) we can, always but, but, this is audio only but for the record she looked at me when she said the ugly part there <laughs> no <laughs> no not at all you're a very handsome man no <laughs> but <laughs> anyway and thank you <laughs> just that we'll always have that love as a strong foundation that we can always go back to and say hey we're gonna be okay we can always work out whatever issue it is And that's really what the song has always been about to me is that commitment, that level of commitment. What I thought was cool about it. And and, because I get hit with music every day, you know, (laughs) here are my songs. You put these on your podcast, blah, blah, blah. I listen to them. Some, what really got to me was just the whole message. Just, it just sweet. It was a sweet song and it's ours. You know, you just got the, the emotion that you put into that. And you're so young to be able to write that well. I was really impressed by that. And I wanted you to that wanted to leave with that anyway. But then when you told me you were engaged, I had to now. So <laughs> Christina Alfred is our guest from Greenwood, Mississippi. And her first song we're going to listen to here is called Ours. Love will always be ours 
hours with Christina Alford on the Music of America podcast. And we'll get back to Christina and talk a little bit more about her music. Ladies, you don't need big promises. You need results. Simple Beauty Retinol Moisturizer contains only the best ingredients for your skin. It doesn't contain unnecessary ingredients that cause your skin further issues. No, specifically formulated, the Retinol Moisturizer helps reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, making the skin appear younger, softer, smoother. Powerful combination of antioxidants, vitamin A, vitamin C, B5, and E, fight premature aging by blocking DNA-damaging free radicals and promoting softness and elasticity. Contains natural ingredients like aloe vera, jojoba oil, rose water, sunflower oil, which are all great for alleviating a variety of skin conditions. Simple Beauty Retinol Moisturizer. Available at simplebeautyskincare.com. Simplebeautyskincare.com. It simply works. Singer, songwriter, and painter, magnificent painter, uh, you have a picture of a beautiful multicolored cow. Yes. What's her What's her name? Did you name her or did you name the painting? I named the painting Moodful Colors. Moodful Colors. Yes. Right. How many O's in mood? I put two just so that way it would be easier to just write down, but I kind of wish that I had extended it to about like four or five. You know what I mean? Right, right. That's really cool. And And again, it's that left brain right brain whole brain you get a different training and conditioning because you're homeschooled and you get the the whole analytical side of your brain going to accomplish those goals so that opens up all this place for the right. other the creative side and then you've got places where you're allowed to i guess express those things right and that one of the first Whenever I was about 15, that's whenever I started really painting, like really, really painting, painting. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, I, I say I get it from my dad because my dad was a graphic designer. He was always the art kid growing up. Oh, okay. And what was really cool about our family structure was that my dad owned his own business mm-hmm. and he actually worked out of the back of our home. He had a um, office that he had built right on the back of our home. So it was like a whole little family unit thing that was going on. Like I could run back to my dad after I got through the work and say, Hey dad, look, I just painted this. And he'd be like, Oh, that's cool. And then he could give me like the little mentor check. Like, okay, well, your perspective could be better on this. I see what you were doing with your colors, but try this, you know, like he could give me like the little pointers that almost an art teacher would. Um, But my dad would have, no holds barred because he was like, if you're going to do this, I want you to be good at it. Right. So he was very much like, you know, he could, he could, he's always had that talent where he can pinpoint things on how to make things better. Uh-huh. And so he was able to do that with my art stuff whenever I was just starting out. And I'm really grateful for that. And I started out painting by actually watching Bob Ross, believe it or not. He's just like so amazing. And the fact that he was a drill sergeant one time. I did not know that. He was a drill sergeant in the army. He was stationed in Alaska. That's how he got his ideas for all of his scenery. Uh Uh-huh. And just thinking about that compared to what he's known for. Right, right. Yeah. Really cool, you know? Oh, absolutely. I'm kind of blown away to think of because he's got such a soft and gentle approach to himself. And like I said, it, it puts me to sleep. You know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> think of that and then think of the drill sergeant in a full metal jacket where he's walking in, banging on the trash can and yelling at everybody and getting everybody's face. Like, yeah, I just I don't see that in him. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> what he said, I read a history nerd coming out again, watching the documentaries, reading all the bios. Uh-huh. Um, I remember he said that after he got out of the army, he said that he would never raise his voice again. And oh, really? So, yes. So that was like kind of like his commitment because apparently he hated the job or uh-huh. I, I guess he hated it because he didn't want to raise his voice again. Or I don't, I think that's what he said, but I mean, I would guess so. Cause I mean, look at what he's remembered for now. Right. The right. Soft, sweet, gentle painter, you know? Sure. So, and, uh, well, we've talked about your dad. We've talked about your grandfather. Is your mom your teacher then? Because we haven't heard much about her. Does she guide you in your studies? Or well, now you're, you know, 
past that. Are you at mm-hmm. home still or are you out of the house? I am. I'm kind of like at an in-between point because, of course, I just got engaged. So, right, of course, I'm right. going to be completely moving out. Um, but I am actually getting my MBA right now. Oh. So, and I will be graduating in the spring. Uh-huh. So, I'm going back and forth between home and college still. Um, and my boyfriend lives, well, my fiance, sorry. <laughs> my fiance lives on the other side of the state. So, I'm just like constantly like in oh a three-point triangle, like going across like all the time. Well, where is Greenwood? Are you like in the center of the state or? Greenwood is north central Mississippi. So okay. I don't I don't know if you're familiar with the state at all. Been through there, but uh when we were kids we used to go to Florida from St. Louis, so we'd always go through like I knew where Tupelo was, you know. And I think we'd go through Montgomery. That um or Tupelo, Jackson, I guess. Jackson. Oh yeah. So Jackson is about like an hour and fifteen minutes. Memphis is about two hours away. Okay. Uh, that that's kind of like kind of where we're at. All right. Kind of like right in that little upper middle section. Yeah. How far are you from Nashville? Five hours. Have you gone? Yes. Actually, my fiance just went to an award show at the Grand Ole Opry. He was nominated for a Josie Award, actually two Josie Awards. Um, it was, I don't know if you've heard of them. They're the one of the biggest independent music award shows. Okay. And he was... I mean, I'm so proud of him. I think he told me that there were like 59,000 entries and only 2% of them actually got nominated. And out of the 2%, he got nominated in two categories, Rising yes. Male Artist and Best Americana Album. So I was, I'm proud over here. That's I'm, really I'm cool. Proud of What's his instrument? Is he a guitarist too? Or? Yes, he's a guitarist. Uh-huh. He loves, he kind of like his hero is Johnny Cash. Okay. And I don't know if you've heard like any of like the, it's kind of like new old country, the newer old country sounding artists, like not like the ones that Nashville will put out necessarily, but kind of like the underground kind of artists like Charlie Crockett or anything like that. Uh If you haven't listened to Charlie Crockett, I would 100% recommend doing it because it will change your perspective on the way that country music sounds today. As yeah. far as like it going to like that older kind of like Hank Williams, Johnny Cash kind of sound. Chris Stapleton did that for me. You mm-hmm. know, he brought uh, Outlaw Country back. You know, yes. he brought Soul back. You know, and and nothing against these other artists. I mean, if you're making a living and and doing your thing, performing, God love you, and you know, God's blessed you. That's fantastic. But what Stapleton did for country music, it brought it back home. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, to me. And I think a lot of the people that I know in country music would, would say pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not really a country artist. Speaking of country music, you're not really a country artist, but you do have a country flair to you. Yes. Would you be more of a, consider yourself more pop or more pop country or Americana maybe? I kind of play the line a little bit. Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't consider myself entirely pop because i will do some pop songs Mm -hmm. i'm not necessarily full-bred country like what my fiance is Uh i don't even know if i'm in the middle like i've been saying to people like oh i'm a pop country artist but at the same time like i don't i don't know if i even sound like that to an extent you know what i mean right right but you're not loretta lynn you know you're not uh uh reba you, you don't have a real strong twangy presence that you'll hear in some traditional female vocalist from country music. Uh, you're also not a power like, say, Aguilera or, you know, going back my era, like Cher has this really strong, powerful voice. You have a melodic, pretty and soft voice with a hint of country in it. So that's why I ask you, because I could try and define it and I can't, but maybe that's what you do too, is you say, well, what do you think? And that's what I am. <laughs> I, I love, I love the way that you described it though. Like that was, that was really nice and very detailed. I loved that actually. Yeah. I think with the rest of my music that I'm going to release, it'll come out a little bit more fluently uh-huh. and you'll be able to see it, but I don't know. I've, if I were to just call myself something for the sake of calling myself something, 
country pop, maybe. But do I know if that's like the genre that I would categorize myself in 100%? No. But just for the sake of it, I would call myself country pop because that's what kind of like what my influences are. So that's what I would call it. But it's very songwritery at the same time. So Right. Well, the, this next song kind of sounds like it falls right in that category too. You know, it's, it's, it's got a country hint to it, but it's got a pop hint to it too, but it doesn't really fit either category a hundred percent. And that's, mm-hmm. what's really neat about this song. The song is called fell for it. Yes. What's it about? This was about before I met my fiance an old relationship that I was, you know, you go through the five stages of grief. Yeah. Of, yeah. I was at the anger park. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got that. Yeah. <laughs> there was something about a ring at 17 or something. And I can't remember what that was. Yeah. We were, it was just like a bunch of promises that um, I was dating an older guy. And so 17 year old Christina was really able to fall for some crap because she wasn't. Old. <laughs> So <laughs> it's funny. it was, yeah. And I was just really just reeling from all of it because I realized that like, none of it was true. And he was just saying it to just appease me. Mm-hmm. And cause I was looking for a relationship that was going to last even early on. And he was just appeasing me the whole time. And so I just wrote a song about like, I can't believe I fell for this crap. I can't believe I fell for all of this. But you were 17. I- yeah. yeah, but I've always been hard on myself, though. So this is like one of those things where it's like an internal dialogue song almost. It's almost where, therapeutic. Yeah. Oh, it was definitely therapeutic writing <laughs> the song and singing the song. Uh-huh. Let me tell you, that is one of the beauties of songwriting. It It is a, at least whenever you don't get to the recording part, when you're writing it, yeah. it is the best form of therapy there can ever be. It's hilarious. Well, maybe I'm I'm too messed up for a therapist because I tried writing and I just thought I can play music, I can perform music, but writing it it's just it's not coming to me. I keep trying, and maybe I got to just stop trying and just start doing. <laughs> One of the things that really helped me was whenever somebody told me. Um, one, take the pressure off of yourself to constantly write something great every time. It's like a faucet. You've got to get the dirt out. Oh, and then yeah. two, to also just like whenever you have an idea, don't even worry about putting it in a song form. Just like blurch it out. Just like just like put it all out on a page. Uh-huh. Just like write whatever's coming to your mind. Just like set a timer, write it for five minutes. And then dissect it and figure out what you're trying to say. And then try to put it in a song form. And that, that is so record. cool. I, I say this a lot in this because I deal with a lot of you, you songwriter people. And if I lined up a hundred songwriters, 70 of you would have a different way of doing it. And the other 30 would say, well, I do a little bit of what, what he does a little bit, what she does a lot like this. And then I do my own thing too, you yes. know? but there's no formula, exact formula for songwriting because the songwriting process, I guess, is as individual as the songwriter and the song itself. Mm-hmm. It believe really that? Is. You believe that? Oh, 100%. I mean, my fiance and I write completely different styles. Like, I can be sitting in a car and I can think of a melody mm-hmm. and I can just start writing in a car. And while I'm driving, I can start going, da, 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 da. my boyfriend, and my fiance, it's, this is all still new. So it's, it's new. It's a fiance. day old. <laughs> <laughs> it really isn't. But my fiance will have to be in a room by himself and he has to come up with the chords first and then Uh he can start trying to come up with stuff. So he has like a completely different way of doing it than what I do. Like I can, I'm pretty fluid on the way that I do it, but he has like his way um, of doing it, but everybody has their own. So it's, it's kind of cool to see like how your brain works. It's almost like you're looking at psychology and how they write. So and as your brain gets more mature, then the subject matter becomes sometimes more intense or mm-hmm. just more diverse, or you can go at it a different way, as opposed to when you're maybe 17 and feeling teen angst, having just broken up with a boyfriend, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. And that's can- what that's what fell for it's all about, right? 
Oh yeah, it's about that little angstiness of her, because it's a stark contrast. Wait, wait, between, you, oh, would you call it that? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a stark contrast between ours and Belfort, but they both have a, a kind of like a place in my heart because those are both experiences that, like, at some point, I feel like everybody kind of like goes through. Like, you're yeah. you break up with somebody and you're like, oh, I can't believe I fell for it. Like, dear right. Lord, why? And you have those moments where you're like, this is it. This is my person. This is that. I'm done. Goodbye. <laughs> Not this is it. You know, you have those it's moments. It's almost like you had to have the experience that prompted you to write, fell for it, mm-hmm. to have the experience and appreciate more to write a song like ours. 100%. So cool. Fell for it. We're going to give it a listen to. Christina Alford here in the Music of America podcast, and this is her song, Fell for It. Christina Alford with your host, Tom Pollard, here on the Music of America podcast. And that song is called Fell For It. We've got one more song we're going to talk about in a moment. But uh, Christina mentioned something about a mandolin a little while ago. Well, Octave Mandolins, Joe Mendel's signature piece of art, will give you the sweet tone that's somewhere between like a mandolin and a guitar. It has that mandolin punch while also delivering the sustain range of a guitar. He builds them to your specs. You might prefer Adirondack top to the Sitka, maybe black walnut, mahogany, rosewood, maple, whatever. You select the wood, you select the style, and Joe will make it for you. Your own octave mandolin. All impart flavor of their own to the tone. I call them Mendel's Mandos. He calls them the octave mandolin. They're available at joemendelfretz.com. joemendelfretz.com. Had to get that in there because you were talking about the mandolin. Joe's a friend of mine. Joe actually built me, uh, for those of you not watching on camera, (laughs) this is audio only, behind Christina over her right shoulder is a handmade Telecaster that her and her father built. And how did you describe it earlier? It's great. It looks great on the wall, but it is unplayable. Unplayable, but looks great on the wall. And I love it. I love it. I'm building a studio at my house in Missouri. 
And when it gets done, all of my all of my toys that I have in their cases, I'm going to put in. I'm thinking about building these plastic cases and putting little doors on them, so they'll be on display. So I can, oh. You know, polish them up and shine, put them on display, but then lock them up in plastic cases. So if you want to play when you open it up, in the meantime, it's in there where it's safe from dust and elements and all that. 100%, because that's always the thing about putting guitars out like this one is yeah. if you're gone for even a few days, you see the dust on it, and then you have to clean it. So I yeah. can definitely understand that. Do you play uh, the good? Now there's a, an acoustic over your left shoulder, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> is that, uh, is that what you play or is that another wall decoration? No, that one is not a wall decoration. Actually, um, before, I don't know if you remember, like right whenever we started, America started shipping things in from China and AliExpress really became like a crazy thing. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was about whenever I was like 14 or 15 and my okay. dad found this website um, from um this company in China that would create replicas of these famous guitars. Okay. And this one was actually a replica of a Taylor 814. So it was supposed to be rosewood, solid rosewood back and sides. And it was a fraction of the cost. My dad got it for me for my 14th birthday. And the cool thing about it is that my middle name is Taylor so oh. he did the Taylor logo because he's a graphic designer. So he did Christina Taylor offer. So oh. it was, and it's right on the headstock. I mean, oh, that's really cool. Let me see if I can get this down. Cause it's, it's too cool. Not to actually, not to actually show. I mean, it's got the full little design on like the front right there. Oh, I see that. That is really cool. So it's like a circle. <laughs> Yes. And where, where the Taylor logo is, then above that is your first name, and beneath is your last yeah. name. Yeah. So, I mean, that cool. was, yeah. I, I will always love this guitar for that purpose. I mean, they, they really went all out on me for that one. So. And that's when you do play, or do you play it regularly, or is there another guitar that you play a little with a little more regularity, or do you switch this, off? I will play this one. Uh -huh. But more often, I'll play my Gibson that I bought. Okay, I bought that one whenever I was about 16, 17. And that one was kind of like my one and done guitar because I've yeah. it has walnut back and sides. Oh, I love that guitar so much. That is, <laughs> that is my guitar, man. That is my guitar. I love it. These are both like my, these are both like my babies. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but the Gibson has always been, um, I got whenever I had just made enough with my painting money. And I was so proud of myself because I had saved up enough and I was uh -huh. able to buy it. And I was so proud of myself. And that has That's been my little ride or die ever since. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you and your fiance write songs and perform together? Have you done shows together? We have done shows together. We're actually going to do a show together. Um, well, not well. <laughs> Yes, you have done shows. Yes, we have yes, done we shows. Have done, we have done shows together. Sorry. <laughs> we have definitely done shows together. Um, and we have written a couple songs together. Um, we wrote a song called Mississippi Line together that's going to be on his next record. Oh, no kidding. How fun. Because we, the little song is about, you know, wherever we go, wherever he goes, because he grew up in the Mississippi Line. That's where kind of like Columbus is. It's like right next to Alabama where he grew up as a kid is maybe about like 10 minutes from the Alabama state line. Wow. So that's where he always said that like his home and his heart is always going to be on the Mississippi line. And so I'm really excited for that one to come out. That's a, it's a fun little song. That's really neat. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, tell me about you're not crazy. Does he have any influence on that or is the song just, uh, <laughs> see, I made that yeah. segue there. <laughs> That one was again about like a um a time way before I met Mason. We well it's always you always have make you always know people that are kind of like narcissistic that are always kind of like I'm this great person and I have done no wrong. So it must be you that's like the wrong person. Yeah. And every everybody's known one person like that. And I kind of wanted to write that song about that moment where you you know, you need somebody in your life that's like, no, you're not crazy. This is just a crazy person. Right, Stop right. 
you, you know, and that's really what the song is about in the end. It's just really just validating that per- the the person on the other side of it. It's yeah. like, you're not crazy, but doing it in a fun way, you know, because something like that can be a really heavy subject, but I wanted it to be a fun song. A song you wrote to yourself then. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So Christina singing to herself in a song called You're Not Crazy. Well, flashback city doesn't take a right turn Tender hearts get hurt the worst Don't confuse yourself with petty schemes Cause you're not crazy Listen to me, baby He's got issues Throw away your tissues Don't be hard on yourself You're not the one who needs help Don't feel so sure Cancel dates and long phone calls Is there anything there at all? Well, flashback city doesn't take a right turn Tender hearts get hurt the worst Don't confuse yourself with petty schemes Crazy, a song obviously not written for me. Uh, our guest today, Christina Alford from Greenwood, Mississippi. And Christina, this is the last segment of the show we call Shameless Self-Promotion. So uh, what's coming up in 2024? I know you said you're getting your master's. What else is going on? How can we see you? How can we hear you? How can we support you? All right. So first and foremost, before I get into all the nitty gritty stuff, go check out my socials. It'll be Christina Alford Artist, Christina Taylor Alford Artist on Facebook. Go check out my website, ChristinaAlford.com, where you can see all the updates. You can see all my paintings. You can listen to all my music as it's being released. In 2024, I'm going to be doing some more music. I'm going to be putting out a new song in January called Tennessee Waltz. It's going to be really exciting. It's an homage to my grandfather again because I love him to death. And we're going to be putting out, we're going to be doing a lot of art shows in 2024. We're going to be putting out some more music, even a Christmas song in 2024. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you want to just stay up to date on everything that's going on, just be sure to go to ChristinaAlford.com, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, Alford, A-L-F-O-R-D.com, and you'll be able to see everything that's going on. And I can't wait to talk with you and just yeah get to know every single one of you it's so cool tennessee waltz having read your bio a little bit uh that's another grandpa story right yeah Yeah. that's so sweet that is just so sweet I mean, I'm a grandpa's girl. I'm a pebble's girl. I always will <laughs> be, always and forever. You know, that was actually the first song that he ever taught me how to sing too. Oh, no kidding. 
I was Whoa. 12 years old and he was, I said, Papa, I want to learn how to play. I want to learn how to sing a song. And he was like, okay. So he took me over to a shop and he was like, I think it would sound good singing this. And that has become in like our little circuit of where we play at. That is like the song that everybody asked me to sing. Uh-huh. Said, well, if this is the song, then I have to get it recorded. Uh-huh. So I did it um, with my producer, Clayton Mulder, who's fantastic. And Chris Duncan, who he's now on the coast doing live sound for stuff. Um, but they're both fantastic people and all the musicians and everybody. I actually got to play the piano on it as well. So that was fun. Cool. Another little homage there. Um, it was just, there was so much in that song that I just loved doing. And I'm so excited to be releasing it in January. I it's it's coming out next month. Yeah. Cool. Yes. And will that be available on all platforms or do you just, uh, or just through the website or how will we be able to hear that? It'll be available on all platforms, but be sure to go check it out on Spotify because that's where it goes first. Okay, great. Well, Kristen, it's been fun and congratulations on your new engagement. That's really cool. Thank uh, you. Just remember, marriage isn't a word, it's a sentence, you know, okay. lasts a lifetime. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, that's great. Kristen Alford, our guest today on the Music of America podcast, and that wraps up our visit to Mississippi. Up next, we travel to my other home state that's not Vermont. We'll be in the show-me state of Missouri. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.